Hi, this is Carrie. And this is Sandy. And you're listening to Crime, crime Bitches, Bitches Countdown, Countdown, where every other week we'll be discussing a different crime category and telling you the 10 most interesting cases, at least according to us. This week's podcast is on female serial killers. Now, what's a serial killer? What's a serial killer? Serial killers are defined as having three or more victims murdered over a period of time with cooling periods between murders. So according to the FBI, it's estimated that serial murders only account for 1% of all murders in a year. Pretty good, right? Out of that, only one of six serial murderers are actually female. Female serial killers and male serial killers differ in a lot of ways. So males are often more likely to murder strangers, whereas female serial killers are more likely to murder people they know. (laughs) Great. In a January 2019 study by Marissa Harrison called Sex Differences in Serial Killers, it was found that 90.9% of female serial killers victims were known by the perpetrator, meaning 90%, 91% almost of people that were murdered by serial killers knew their victims. So the other ways that they differ are females have much different motives usually than male serial killers. Most female serial killers are murdering for financial gain, revenge, or even the possibility of getting sympathy from other people. Whereas men are usually more violent. 51.9% of all female serial killing is due to, it is for financial motivation. Women are also less likely to use violent methods. Not saying that they're not out there. I'm sure they are, but they're less likely. 47.3% of serial murders by women are through poisoning. Seconded by asphyxiation at 30.9%. Because of the way that females murder, and because it's less violent, harder to determine, women can usually get away with it for a longer period of time, or may not be considered the things, the way they murder or, or the deaths may not be considered suspicious. In this podcast, you'll learn to question your grandmother, your wife, or anyone, any other female in your life. Oh, my God. You know what I learned? <laughs> what? Bitches be getting money. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, female, what do they call them? Gold diggers out there? Yeah. Gotta be worried Gold about diggers. it. Um, you know, worry about your grandma. Don't murder rich people because that's just going to get you in trouble. But we always have to remember women can do anything men can do, including murder, including get 99 years in prison, but also because we're so frail and, and, and delicate, we can also not get sentenced to death because we're female. I have a little bit of an issue with that. But I have a lot of an issue with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if I'm gonna hey, do look. the crime, I, I best be doing the time. I can do I can do anything you can do, but better. <laughs> I uh, I also think you know you want equal rights. Yeah, equal death. Totally. Just saying. 
So, I hope you enjoy this episode on female serial killers. Watch out for those bitches. Bitches be tripping. Just be tripping. Up first, we have uh, Kristen Gilbert, is who I'm going to tell you about today. She had a pretty normal childhood, but a lot of people said when she was a teenager, she was a habitual liar. Um, In 1984, during college, she had psychiatric episodes where she threatened to harm herself or others. But she graduated in 1988 with a nursing degree. And I have questions about that because if you had like... There are some professions you can't have psychiatric issues and and have, but I guess nursing you can, or maybe because it's the 80s. I don't know. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever, considering as as a nurse, you're taking care of people. And if you have threatened, if you have threatened your own life or other people's, I would think nurse would not be a good profession for you. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I'm just saying red flags. Okay, so she married Glenn Gilbert, and she began working at the Northampton Veteran Affairs Medical Center, and she got assigned to the night night shift. She began. So so not um, only is she working with people, but she's working with veterans who probably have like PTSD and shit anyway. And then you put this psycho chick with them. Makes sense to me. Duh. (laughs) Of course you do. So she got married, and what'd you say? It seems conducive (laughs) for their rehabilitation. She was working on the night shift. She was married, but she started an affair with a hospital security guard named James Perrault. Um, A number of the deaths were occurring when she was on the shift, so nurses began joking and calling her an angel of death. Now, here's the thing. If you're joking and saying that, maybe you should take it a little seriously. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Coincidence aren't always coincidence. Call me crazy. Just put it out there. <laughs> so in seven years, they had 350 deaths. Now, if you're talking Holy about like veterans, well, well, you say that, right? But that could be sort of average. Like here, it's hard to say. Uh, well, that seems like a hell of a lot to me. But, but if you're talking about saying. people who are older, do you know what I mean? This isn't well, necessarily I, all older people, but if but you are talking it. about people who are older. It's not like a geriatric hospital. It's a veteran's True. hospital. So not necessarily True. like they're all going to be older people. I mean, that's like the equivalent of how many people get murdered in Philly every month. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's a so lot. Sad. Oh, my God. That's so sad. <laughs> so, well, here's what's really what's really troubling. OK, so in seven years, there were 350 deaths right now. Now, think about, you know, a regular hospital, how many nurses are on shift. Let's let's just for fun, say on a on a light day, maybe 10, right? There's a significant right. number of nurses and they, they rotate shifts a lot. They don't always have the same shifts. There's so, supposed to be a significant number of nurses. Well, she <laughs> was, Kristen was on duty for half of those deaths. So that's a pretty high number. And they actually did the yeah. math and said the odds of that occurring are one in 100 million. Yeah, that's pretty significant because you have to think there are at least three shifts and yeah. to be you're not going to be on every shift. So to be there for half of them is a crazy amount. It really is. It, and so, you know, that's questionable. I mean, I think they figured this part out a little bit later um, when they started to do the formal inquiries, they figured out that number, but uh, yeah, that, that's one in a hundred million chance. Yeah. But if people so, are calling her the angel of death, like obviously somebody's noticing. Well, you would think, <laughs> 
So here, here you go. She's having an affair, and surprise, surprise, her marriage starts to fail. Um, her husband, Glenn, he started getting sick, and she said she wanted to take a blood sample and have it tested at the hospital, which, first of all, is weird. Yeah. Um, he said that she had a syringe, and there was clear liquid in it, and she said it was saline. But when she put the needle in his arm, it got really cold, and he went to pull away from her, and she pinned him against the wall. Okay, cold, not necessarily saline, but depending on if it was saline, you don't usually put in cold. You usually put that in at room temperature. Well, why would you put saline in if you want a blood sample? Sometimes, it's actually sometimes what they do to get a clean sample is they they do inject uh, a little bit of saline. So they put a little bit of saline and then pull back the blood. So I, I think I have seen that. So it's not necessarily unheard of. But cold is weird, and the fact, you know, she's pinning you down just seems odd. Yeah, the whole thing is odd. And and Glenn kind of thought it was a little weird, too, so he was outy after that. Um, he, he was done. He didn't trust her at that point. I would have been like, Doc, you need, to, you need to scan my blood right now because I don't know what this bitch just put in me. That's what I'm saying. I would have been calling the police, but that's just me. I mean, I mean who knows? Like, you know, if you were in... A relationship if you were married and you trusted the person like i guess but well obviously I don't he didn't know. trust her if he pulled away yeah well he thought it was weird his arm got cold i mean i think that was weird too yeah i agree anyway so a patient named and i'm gonna get names wrong i apologize his name was stanley jagodowski he was 66 years old uh he was admitted for post-operative bowel obstruction and he was prescribed only oral medication But a nurse said she saw Kristen go in with a syringe. She heard Stanley cry out in pain and then saw Kristen leave. And just a little bit later, he died of cardiac arrest. So that's Uh, not good. No, that's a little too convenient. Oh, that's way too convenient. So the nurses all started getting suspicious. I mean, they were suspicious, I think, to begin with when they started calling her angel of death. I think they were joking, but they had to have had some kind of feeling. Obviously. They filed a formal inquiry in 1996, and Kristen was like, how am I going to deal with this? So she quit the job and got herself institutionalized for a suicide attempt, figuring that she could avoid uh, the police bothering her, I guess, while she was in the hospital. Perot, the guy she was having an affair with, called her, and Mm -hmm. she confessed to him and told him she did it. Oh, that's And he wanted no parts of that, so he went to the police. Because he's smart. Good for him. Good for but him. But then she got, she got dumber because she well, called in a, was pretty dumb in itself. <laughs> well, yeah. Just she saying. called in a bomb threat to hinder the investigation. And this was in the 90s. They were able to trace calls. So they traced <laughs> it back to her. I mean, that was First so dumb. All, that's only going to last, what, like maybe a couple hours, maybe a day. Like you're not right. You're not, you know, I don't causing a massive disruption. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. I'm not even going to lie to you. So they trace the call back to her. She gets arrested. She's charged and she's sentenced to 15 months. So she's, she's in jail. She's serving time. And the police are trying to figure out, you know, let's take this time while we have her in custody already and build a case. Um, ultimately, she got charged with four murders, although many others were suspected. She was Why accused of four? 
Like what made well, those four stand out? Why do you ask such good questions that I don't I have don't answers know. to? I don't know. I I'm think, just wondering. I think like, so 350 and she only got charged with four. Just saying. Proof. I mean, proof is a lot of it because a lot of things yeah. can happen when you're in the hospital. Yeah. You know, and, and some of these things, they can't prove the exact cause because here's what she would do. She would inject adrenaline into the patient's IV, which would cause their heart to race and could lead yeah. to cardiac arrest. Got it. That could be hard to track if they already had a condition or a heart problem. Like, there are people have heart attacks. It happens. Yeah. So, but you think an unusual level of adrenaline in a lot of people, you might go, you would think. Hmm. You would think. But here's their theory on why she did it was she would be the first person to respond. And whenever a medical emergency got called, hospital security had to be there. So the guy she was having an affair with, James Perrault, he would have to be there. And then she could show him like she was a hero for saving him. Mm -hmm. And they said when he got there, she would openly flirt with him. So she wasn't even trying to hide it. She was convicted in March 2001 of three counts of first degree murder, one count of second degree murder, and two counts of attempted murder. She got four consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole plus 20 years. And she appealed, but she dropped the appeal after the Supreme Court ruled that prosecutors would be allowed to seek the death penalty in a new trial because laws had changed. Wow, cool. So she was like, I guess I don't want that after all. Yeah, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> now, you know, I, probably another question you don't know the answer to, but angel of death killings are, are like a thing. People that are trying to like... They they claim, and correct me if I'm wrong, they claim that they're trying to show mercy by killing people? Some of them, but we are going to get to another one who uh, was considered an angel of death also. And she definitely wasn't doing it out of mercy. Let me just Got put it, it that way. Okay. So, um, when, when we talk about female serial killers, one of the things, and, and I meant to say this, is... Uh, you know, a lot of the female serial killers, when you look, there's not a lot that are your typical violent serial killer. Like when you think of a of a Ted Bundy or a um, Night Stalker or any of those. Right. Females yeah. are a lot different. And so they do a lot more things like poisonings and uh, you have the, the angels of death and things like that. Yeah. So just just keep that in mind because as we go a little further we'll get into ones that maybe aren't so much like that cool all right number two we're gonna talk about bell guinness you ever heard of her no oh my god i'm surprised you haven't heard of her and a little sad maybe i have oh my gosh maybe i have and i just don't recognize the name it's quite possible uh well she was born in norway in 1859 and she immigrated to Chicago in 1881. And when I first read that, my first thought was, why would you go to Chicago? But then I realized that was in the 1800s, and it was probably a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> she married a man named Mads Sorensen in 1884, and I just love the name, and I don't know We're why. Gonna say good name. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. His name is Mads. So they opened a candy store, which later burned down, and they got insurance money. Now, that's important to know. That sounds suspicious. Yeah, it gets worse. So Mads and Belle had four children together. Two died from acute colitis, which has very similar symptoms to poisoning. Colitis, like intestinal distress? Yep, exactly. 
Um, but it has very similar symptoms to poisoning, like the, the throwing up and all of the other yeah. things that come with that. Yeah. In 1900, their house burned down. And guess what they got? Insurance money? Oh, my God. How did you know? <gasps> it's amazing. Such a lucky guess. <laughs> uh, in July 1900, Mads died suddenly from a cerebral hemorrhage. This is interesting. And I thought, I don't even know if this is even a thing that you could do now. But the day he died was conveniently the last day of his old life insurance policy and the first day of his new insurance policy. So she <gasps> no, was able to got get both. paid out for both. That's crazy. Yep. How can I don't know if you can do that now? Like, I would honestly, think not. No. I would I would think it would end one day and then start a new one the next day. So cerebral hemorrhage, like, did they find any like blunt force trauma to the head? So it didn't say anything about that. Um, it's everything I read kind of said that that was what they came up with. Now, it doesn't mean, I mean, again, this was in like, what did I say? 1900. Yeah. So you're talking science. I mean, it wasn't as advanced. Right. right. So they may not have been able to figure out what it really was. It's possible he was poisoned, but he is not one of the people on the list that is suspected of poisoning. It's just a little too convenient that he died specifically yeah, on that day. They did stay together for like 16 years. So that's something to keep in mind as we go further. Yeah, but money's money. Oh, yeah, and money like, is money. Obviously, they have no problem with arson. So who has a problem with arson? No one. <laughs> no one has a problem with Okay, anyway. Fire is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Here is so don't get me started on fire. Okay, so she left Chicago with her two daughters that were remaining. Their names were Myrtle and Lucy, and she had a foster daughter named Jenny Olson. And I couldn't really figure out exactly where she came from, but I think it was like a friend of the family kind of a deal, and she took her in. Got it. They moved to a forty-eight acre farm in Laporte, Indiana. Forty-eight mm. acres is quite a bit. Yeah, lots of places to hide bodies. But anyway. <laughs> In April of 1902, she married Peter Guinness. Peter had an infant daughter from a previous relationship, and all of a sudden, she just died. Oh, so odd. Well, yeah, that's I not mean, convenient like, either. Like at that time, like you get a cold and you're dead. So I'm not like that. I mean, one's right. not too suspicious, but oh, okay, the next one might be okay. Oh. Peter died right after that. Oh, that's convenient. And was there a life insurance policy or a will? Well, we just have to hear about what happened because Bell said a sausage grinder fell off of a wobbly shelf and hit him in the head. And even the coroner <laughs> thought that was a little weird. Why would but, you stick a sausage grinder on a wobbly shelf? I mean, I know that's not where I keep my sausage grinder. <laughs> Do you have a sausage grinder? Because we no. may have some things to talk about about hiding bodies. Um <laughs> Well, at least not that you know about. <laughs> true, true. That so you could be hiding <laughs> secrets from me. <laughs> so even though the coroner thought it was odd, he couldn't prove anything. So he did rule it as an accident. Yeah. But Jenny, the foster daughter, she went to school and she told some classmates Belle had killed him with a meat cleaver. And oh. then guess what happened? They Jenny disappeared. <gasps> no. Yep, she disappeared. Nobody knew where she went. And Belle told people she went to school in California. Because uh, she would so, just randomly go on her own? I guess she'd been sent there by Belle. 
but why I, I have that that makes me ask a lot of questions because I'm a yeah. question person again so if my neighbor was just like oh I sent my one kid to California for school I would have lots of questions oh yeah what about the other kids why didn't they go what's so special about this kid what's in California and, I have lots oh of by questions. the way are you punishing her for something right just wondering yeah so Belle started putting ads in the paper to find companions uh we're not getting into what kind of companions. Is but, that what you know. we're calling it now? <laughs> I believe she advertised things like, you know, come and run the farm with me kind of a deal. So people would, men would re- would go there and they'd bring their money and their belongings and stuff with them. But once they got to the farm, they would disappear. So. Oh, how convenient. It's very convenient. And there were quite a bit of men who answered and went missing. However, wild pigs will eat just about anything. <laughs> I don't just know saying. if they had pigs or not. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was a, a crop farm or if it was a farm farm. I don't know. They're all farms, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So in 1906, this was the final victim, was a guy named Andrew Helgelian. Mm-hmm. And he disappeared after moving to the farm, but he had been writing letters to his brother, and his brother knew where he was going. So when he stopped responding to the letters, his brother went to the farm and was like, what is going on? Where's my brother? Uh, you got to make sure people don't have relatives so they won't be missed. Come on. This is textbook. Belle made up a story. She said he left, of course. Um, and at the same time, she'd been having issues with a farmhand she had. His name was Ray Lamphere. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were having issues was because he had feelings for her. And when Andrew had gotten there, he got really jealous and he left and he was all pissed off. Mm. So his brother's coming, you know, this guy Ray is is mad and she's afraid he's going to start trouble. So she goes to an attorney and she said, I fired this guy. He was jealous. And now I need to make a will because he threatened my life. So I need to make sure like my family's covered. Okay. Then she left the attorney's office. She got some toys for her children. And while she was out, she figured, let's get two gallons of kerosene. Because, you know, like you do, that's what you do. Um, And conveniently, even though, you know, she bought the kerosene that day and and no one would put this together, her farmhouse burned down that night. So never you mind the candy store and the previous house that also burned down. Just saying. But here's what's interesting about about Belle Guinness in general. When they got there, when police got there, they found the bodies of three children and the headless body of a woman. right now the woman was assumed to be bell because that's what you would think right you would think and and mind you it was three children so like jenny was there um so it would be jenny was there and this would account for all three of them three kids yeah lamphere was charged with murder and arson because she had gone to the attorney right so the attorney was like it must be this guy because he was jealous he was mad yeah, so, but then who are you leaving your stuff to if y'all all three kids and you are apparently in a fire? Well, I don't think she I don't really think the will mattered. I think it was more about having that story of someone got it. Was her. Her. Giving her the and, alibi and that could have been her. I mean, I guess you could have gone to the police and said it, but I guess an attorney like makes it a legal thing and yeah, whatever. So while uh the police were or 
Lamphere got charged with murder and arson, and then police started searching for the head because they wanted to make sure this was really Belle. Of course. And Andrew's brother was helping. He was hoping he might find some clue to where his brother was. Mm-hmm. He went to another farmhand and he said, hey, were there any recent dirt piles? And the guy said, yeah. Bell had asked him to level a dozen soft depressions in the ground. A dozen? A dozen. Wow. So him and the farmhand, they, they began digging. And the first thing they uncovered was Andrew's head, hands, and feet stuffed in a sack. So, unfortunately, his own brother found him, which is terrible. That is. But why Why at that point? Like, I understand to not identify the body, but then you put all the identifying parts together. Like, that's true, right? But what do you think you have a bag of legs? I mean, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, you would think you would just have torsos. And what, why are we giving people ideas? <laughs> true. <laughs> so, um, obviously, they told the police that that they found this and so investigators started digging up the property and they uncovered 11 burlap sacks that each contained body parts so i don't think they found full bodies they found pieces i was gonna say where's the rest is this like a giant bell jigsaw puzzle of bodies (laughs) it it might be like how cool would that be let's put the pieces together um police couldn't positively identify bell's body they didn't have dna back then they didn't have a way to do it and right. they thought that the body seemed too small to be her, but right. they did find a set of teeth in the remains, and um, she did have false teeth, but they couldn't prove she was wearing them. I was going to say, so, you could just throw them in there. Right. It was believed, and it's still believed, that Belle fled and got lost to history. That's crazy. So, but do you think she actually murdered her kids? Like, obviously, yeah, Jenny... Health- she had she a reason to murder her. Husband. I mean, come on. Like, she didn't but care. why keep your kids alive for that long just to like finally murder them in the end? Like, okay, I don't have any Maybe for you. They were useful. Maybe they dug holes for her. Who knows? <laughs> That's why you have kids. <laughs> Labor. So, so Lamphere got charged with arson only, and he said he was innocent. But mm-hmm. on his deathbed, he said him and Bell had killed 42 men. Oh, <gasps> She would spike their coffee, bash their head in, cut up their bodies, and put them into sacks, and he would bury the bodies. Wow, that's um, that's a kind of love I don't want. <laughs> just saying. Sure? I mean, it might be a kind of love you do want. I mean, <laughs> well, that's true. Do you, do you want to hide a body? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. Okay. <laughs> that's so that's Belle Guinness in a nutshell. She's quite the interesting so, character it sounded like did, anybody who was near her was doomed yeah did um did dude ever serve time for his arson uh he did i don't know how much off the top of my head um but i don't believe it was long can you imagine being his family at his deathbed no like, i cannot convince he confessed that to somebody like Oh, Grandpa, I'm going to love you and I miss you and blah, blah, blah. I killed 42 people. Never mind. Fuck you. I'm out. Just saying. I mean, what do you say at that point, right? Like, right? Ugh, beats me, man. I, I don't know what I would do. Crazy. And the fact that she probably, yeah, she probably, like, walked away. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it to me, it would be interesting to, like, find out someday, you know, where she went. Um. But well, the fact that, that none of the other bodies were headless and hers was is weird. So yeah. 
follow the trail of our sons. I'm sure there's some somewhere. Yeah, that's true. And probably if if there was a woman's body, she probably took that woman's identity. Like I wouldn't think it'd be that hard to figure out. But just saying. But it was also the early 1900s. Exactly. I mean, like now the police have systems they can communicate with each other. If she moved far enough away, like yeah, there would be no cross communication. Yay. All right. So let's move forward to number three. Number three. Number three is Jane Toppin. Have you heard of her? I have heard of her, but I can't remember why. Or maybe I'm just remembering a girl from high school whose last name was Toppin. <laughs> I hope I don't know a girl from high school named Toppin. Top. Well, what a last name. Anyway, go ahead. So when she was young, her mother died of tuberculosis, and her father gave her at six years old and her eight-year-old sister to the Boston Female Asylum, and which was an orphanage for indigent female children. I'm sorry, um, big word. <laughs> poor. Got it. For poor families. Got it. Um, you can't say big words in front of me. I got confused. Yeah, yeah. I got to get better <laughs> about that. I apologize. So, um, so an orphanage for poor children. Got it. But basically, the father couldn't. I think there was four siblings, and he couldn't take care of all of them. So, so he kept a couple and and got I rid of imagine, a couple. Yeah, I imagine oh, boys he kept. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, how would it feel like if there were four siblings and two of you got sent away? Nope. You can't put that's gotta ruin you. Oh but yeah, anyway, totally. Talk about a complex. So really? in November of 1864, she was placed as an indentured servant in the home of Ann Toppin. And that's where Ooh. she was given the name Jane, and she took on the family last name. Um, oh. Well, that's kind of nice. I guess. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what her name was prior to that. I, I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, I don't think it really matters all that much. Hmm. So at 18 years old, I mean, she had been a servant for at least 10 years. They, I think she was like eight by the time she went to the, uh, the Toppin house. Mm-hmm. So at 18, she was freed from indentured servitude and given wow. $50, which that back then, 50 bucks was a decent amount. Woo. But she didn't really have anywhere to go. I mean, she didn't. What was she well, going to yeah. do? What do you she know at that point? Right. Right. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure like she didn't have an education. She didn't have any other things. So she just chose to stay on as a servant until Anne died. Mm-hmm. And Anne's daughter, Elizabeth, left the home and got married. So at that point, she was she went to Cambridge Hospital in Boston to train to be a nurse. Hmm. And she worked as a student nurse for a while. And people okay. called her Jolly Jane because she was very upbeat and friendly. Well, that's nice so, for a nurse. Yeah, yeah, until they start killing people. So during this time, she killed about a dozen people. Wow. As a student nurse? Yes, as a student nurse. Wow, yep. that's 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 ambitious. You're not even full-fledged nurse and you're already killing people. Wow. Just saying. And uh, she also made it known to people that she felt that elderly people were useless and not worth keeping alive. So I'm not sure why you would be a nurse. Uh, Uh, Yeah, but I wonder if that's a complex from like being given up as a child. I don't know. I really don't. And uh, again, why would you be a nurse then? Because... I mean, you're not always dealing with elderly people, but you are going to have elderly people 
that you're going to take care of. Like, I just don't get it. But But here's why. I guess I do know why. So she would experiment on them with opium and she would just up the doses repeatedly to see what happened until they would ultimately die from an overdose. Well, at least they're having fun beforehand. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. That's true. But other times she'd cause them to get sick with a poison and then revive them. Oh, is patients... there that, uh, there's a syndrome for that where you make people sick so that you can make Be them better. Hero. Yeah, I, uh, is it similar to Munchausen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing about Jane. As patients were dying, she'd get into bed with them and hold them. And she said it gave her a sexual thrill to do this. Oh, ew. Mm. So that's why <laughs> I said there are others who have other reasons. Um, ew, ew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's nasty. Yeah. So this chick, I don't even understand how things happen sometimes, but follow me. Okay. The doctors from the hospital where she worked recommended her to a different hospital, to Massachusetts General. And when she got there, she continued her experiments. Maybe they were just trying to get rid of her. I think so, but, like, here's the, like... <laughs> then you're just making her somebody else's problem. Well, right, but the Hippocratic Oath, like, shouldn't you give a shit? Yeah, I would I, think. I would think. But, again, you know, 1800, so what do I know? Yeah, lobotomies. Let, let, that's all <laughs> I have to say. That says it all. Yeah. Um, she would also give painkillers out to pretty much anybody who asked. So... She got let go from the hospital because they noticed that this was happening. But private doctors kept recommending her to their wealthy patients. And it's thought that might be because of her willingness to give out painkillers to whoever wanted them. Yeah, makes sense. There were drug addicts back then. Yeah, yeah. And so she was still killing patients, but she also started killing other people as well. Oh, see, that's where you go wrong. Right? If you would have kept it to patients. No, that's terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The first other was her elderly landlord and his wife. They were both poisoned. She then killed her friend so that she could take her job at the theological school. Wow. Which is totally messed up. What? So messed up. Theological? Really? Yeah. Wow. I want to know how she pulled that off. (sighs) I don't know, but 1800s, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse for everything. Exactly, 1800s. Yeah. Because, you know what the other thing is? Like, at the time, they really thought women weren't capable of violence. Um, they really believed that women couldn't do this kind of thing. But, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> women, they are know. women are bitches, as we know. They just be tripping, man. <laughs> Pitches do be tripping. So <laughs> I hate you so much. So um, then she killed her foster sister, Elizabeth, Anne's daughter. Um, they were close, actually. They grew up and they thought of each other as sisters. And they would often get together and have a picnic. But this time around, Jane put strychnine in the water that killed her. Wow. And she later said, I held her in my arms and watched with delight as she gasped her life out. Wow. So that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. But it gets more fucked up because after that, she moved into Elizabeth's house and she tried to get Elizabeth's husband to marry her. And uh, he was like, yeah, no, not happening. So she was like, how how do I get him to marry me? Yeah. 
Well, Have a baby. No, no, poison him and save his life. Oh, then he'll be grateful and he'll want to marry you. Good. But one. instead, he was like, "Get the fuck out of my house!" Then kind <laughs> <laughs> of backfired a little. Smart guy. Mm, just saying. So in 1901, she moved in uh, with this guy named Alden Davis. He was an elderly gentleman, and his wife had died recently, which just so happened to be that Jane killed her, but he didn't know that. Oh. So she moved in with him. to marry her. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh Oh. She moved in with him, and she was there to take care of him because she was, you know, a nurse. So she moved in to help him out, and she killed him, and then she killed two of his married daughters. That's where she went wrong. Because some of the surviving family, like the husbands of those daughters, thought something was wrong there. You know, you had healthy people who just died. Well, so they had toxicology tests done, and they found poison. Yeah. So she was arrested. Good. She admitted to 31 murders, (gasps) but said it could be up to 100. She lost count. What? Yeah. You think you'd have a notebook for that kind of shit. Just saying. Your, your diary. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is even better. She claimed a failed relationship as a teenager was the whole reason that she killed people. Wow, I would have at least blamed it on my dad. <laughs> that sounds better. Oh, yeah, if you have daddy issues, that's definitely a problem. Well, dad gave me up and kept two kids. So, yeah, I've got some issues with people. Yeah, that would have been a better excuse. You're absolutely See? right. Like, I always had these problems, and I yeah. yes, you are 100 percent right. But if you just tell me like my teenage boyfriend dumped me, and that's why I'm crazy, I I'm sorry. No, you're just no. yeah, retarded. you're just dumb. I'm sorry. That's a bad word, and I shouldn't use that. I apologize. No. All right. So anyway, she was found guilty by reason of insanity and put in a state hospital, and she, she told the court that her goal was to have killed more helpless people than anyone else. So that's wow, the kind of person that, she was. That's really fucked up. It is fucked up. And but she, like, she those are the easy targets. You'd think she'd want to challenge. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to do it, like, I would want to challenge. I'd want to like up the the ante, you right? Know? You See how far I take it. Enough helpless people. They're not interesting. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, you want to kill more helpless people than anyone else. Most of us are out here. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that was terrible. Most of You're these killers lazy are out there. <laughs> Yeah, most of these killers are out there, you know, keeping it real. You're going after helpless people. That's terrible. Exactly. Like, you're shame on you. In the murderer <laughs> community, you're like low level. She is low level. She's a bitch. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> She uh she lived to the ripe old age of 84. So she died in 1938 in a asylum. Well, I hope she got what she, you know, what asylums were known for back then. Really bad treatment and experimentation, lobotomies, you know. You know, you know, you're right. And I feel like that is probably the best place if you wanted to do experiments. Shit, be a guinea pig. Exactly. Why not? Obviously, it look it it's well suited for you. It's true, I agree. Oh All right, my. so let's move on. Yes, number four, we're going to talk about Dorothea Puente. Ooh, she sounds Spanish. That's yeah, really racist. I guess I shouldn't have said that. That just sounds like a Spanish last name, but no, it does. It absolutely does. 
Um, and she probably is. And and I don't think that's a bad thing to say. Like people are Spanish. It happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> no, no one can be Spanish. Nobody. They don't exist in the world. Oh my God. All right. So Dorothea <laughs> Puente. She married Fred McFall in 1945, and they had at least two kids together, but she didn't raise them. So she was like, uh, yeah, fuck that shit, and got rid of them. Gave them away to people. Like you do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but as we go, I mean, I think you'll understand, you know, that she probably wasn't the mothering type. No. So Really? Yeah. <laughs> so three years after they got married, they got divorced. She oh. moved to California and she started bouncing checks, which she got quickly arrested for. And she was sent to jail for four months. And then wow. she was told to stay in town for probation. But she was like, yeah, fuck all that. And she went yeah. to San Francisco. Got it. There she married a guy named Axel Johansson in 1952. Ooh, they argued Axel. a lot. What did you say? Axel. Mm. Axel, yes. Like Axel Rose, but better. Yeah. Um. They argued a lot about her drinking and gambling, and um, <laughs> this this just gets weirder and weirder to me because <laughs> when she offered to perform a sex act on an undercover officer at a house of ill repute, Axel had her sent to the psych ward. Now, I have lots of questions, okay? <laughs> yes. Um, why was she in a house of ill repute? Why did Axel know about it? Did she get arrested? <laughs> I just have lots. And why is the psych ward? Why was the undercover officer there? Was he really undercover? Like, that's where like, my mind goes. And, like, were brothels, they, like, like, illegal like, back then? Dude, I don't even know. Well, so. I guess brothels are kind of illegal now still. We couldn't have a sorority house in Florida because too many women living together was considered a brothel. Can you believe that's that? So, that's such an outdated law, and I actually <laughs> right. I knew that, and it's terrible. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and I think in Maryland, it was something similar. Like we could, they couldn't, sororities couldn't have their own like actual house. They had to be in a dorm, but the fraternities had houses. Yeah. That's how it was in Florida. Yes. So stupid. Sexist. Jackass. Very. very. So even though she was offering, you know, to perform sex acts on undercover officers and she was in houses of ill repute and she went to a psych ward, they still stayed married for 14 years. So I guess that's impressive. So, yeah, why a psych ward? Like, oh, you wanted money because obviously you have a gambling and drinking issue. Or maybe that's not why she was. I don't think they had rehab then. Well, yeah, I guess not. You know what I mean? Like Jail? I don't know. Good point. But if it's not technically illegal. I mean, offering an undercover officer there. Like, you know what I mean? What was he doing there? I have lots of questions and I have <laughs> I no think answers. He was not undercover. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was under the covers. I don't yes. know. Yes. So <laughs> moving forward, she married Roberto Puente in 1968, but their marriage only lasted about 16 months. I'm going to assume for the same reasons. But I then guess. she married this other guy. His name was Pe- Pedro Montalvo. And uh, after a week, he was like, yeah, no. <laughs> what about getting to know people before you just rush and get married was that not thing? back then i don't know i don't know anyway. was there no like alimony or palimony like who could afford all these divorces just saying i don't think there was back then 
but I, I don't know for sure. Mm. I don't, I'm not up on my uh, marriage history. Right. So I need to look into that. In the 1970s, she opened her first boarding house in Sacramento and social workers like really admired her because back then, you know, boarding houses were not necessarily the norm. And plus she would take in what people called shadow people, which I don't know if you ever heard this phrase before, but you're talking about people who live on the fringes of society, like homeless people, drug addicts, recovering alcoholics, the mentally ill and elderly people. And she said, lost causes she would take on without a problem. And I get that that's notable, but nobody thought it was weird that the woman was taking on these lost causes and she gave up two kids. Just saying. Well, they probably didn't know about the giving up two kids. She probably never told anybody that. Good point. Um, I mean, she'd moved multiple times, so it's not like people knew who she was. That's and true. she lost this boarding house when she got caught signing her own name to her tenant's benefit checks. So, um, yeah. Yeah. In the 1980s, she worked as a personal caretaker, and she would often drug her clients and steal their valuables. A woman named Ruth Monroe moved in with her, and she died shortly after of an overdose of codeine and acetaminophen, or Tylenol. Wonder how that happened. Puente told police that Ruth had been depressed and her death got ruled a suicide. What? Yep. Because I guess I think her husband had died, like, recently before she had moved in and so she was like oh she was depressed and so they just ruled it a suicide convenient excuse yeah i mean at this point puente was uh what let me think about this she was in her 50s so she was kind of like you know a grandmotherly type yeah i don't know Um, about you but i don't trust my grandma (laughs) (laughs) i actually did trust my grandma so oh no (laughs) I don't Sorry, know, maybe no. you have some, some issues there on your own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's just, maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So in 1982, she was arrested for theft and she served three years. After she got released, she opened a second boarding home and well, she did the same thing. She took in lost causes. And did she steal um, their checks too? Well, possibly, but they went missing. So it's hard to say. And And the thing oh. is, because these were shadow people, I'm using quotes, you can't see that, but I am. Yeah. Um, normally, you would be able to see it because we're usually together, but yeah. today we're not. So, air quotes. Uh, so shadow we, people. They had nobody looking for them, so nope. nobody knew they were missing. Nobody noticed. No one Got suspected it because nobody reported the missing, so they just figured, you know, they... If people saw them there, like neighbors or whatever, they would have just assumed that they came and got, went and it was normal. But in 1988, there was a 52-year-old. His name was Alvaro Montoya, and he went missing. He'd been referred to her by a social worker. He had been homeless. He had mental health issues. And this outreach counselor with Volunteers of America, her name was Judy Moyes. She's the one who referred him, and she kept an eye on him. You know, she checked in because she actually cared about her clients. She actually cared about the people she helped. Wow, that's a good person. Yeah, it's hard to find. Um, But she did check in, and Dorothea told her, well, he went on vacation. And Judy was like, "Uh, yeah, I sincerely freaking doubt that. Right. So she called police. Good for her. Went to the boarding house, and Puente told them the same exact thing. She was like, oh, he went on vacation. And another tenant that was there, his name was John Sharp, he backed her up. He was like, yeah, he went on vacation. You know, nothing suspicious here. 
So police were starting to leave and John handed them a note on the sly. And the note said, she's making me lie. Mm. Police returned and they searched the house, but they found nothing. So they asked her if they could dig up her yard. And she said, okay. What? Yeah. I, I mean, if police asked me if they could dig up my yard, like I would, well, no, I would wonder, but, but of course I'm not killing people and burying them. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, um, but you're fucking with my grass now. Come on. <laughs> right? Are you going to replant that shit? So <laughs> she said, okay. And then she said, uh, is it cool if I go get a coffee down down the street? And they said, sure, no problem. And she fled to let Los the, Angeles. Cause, I was going to say, let the well, suspect walk away. Right. Well, and I guess at the time, it was the whole, like, excuse me, it was the whole idea of she was a uh, grandmotherly type and, um, you know, they they had no proof. Technically, she wasn't in custody or arrested or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But so she obviously, there was enough suspicion to dig up her yard. They might want to be like, no, could you stick around for a little bit? We just I- have some questions about the yard. Yeah, you would think. But as police were digging up the yard, they uh, dug up 78-year-old Leono Carpenter. And promptly found six more bodies after that. Ooh. She was captured in L.A. after a man in a bar recognized her. She got okay. charged with nine murders. The cause of death couldn't be determined. But all of the recovered bodies had the same drug, which was Dalmain. It's a drug that's used to treat insomnia. Hmm. So that's convenient that they all had that. Yeah. So even though she got charged with nine murders, you know, you know how a lot of these things work. We've talked about it. They plead down. Yeah. Whatever. So she got convicted of three murders and she got three life sentences to be served consecutively. She always insisted she was innocent and she died in jail of natural causes in 2011 at 82 years old. Lame. See, don't trust grandmas. Just Just saying. saying. (laughs) That's saying. Wow. On to number five. All right. So number five is probably the one that everyone thinks of when they think of female serial killers. Cool. Any guesses? Um, what's her name? Lizzie Borden. No, she wasn't a serial killer. No, no. You just made me sad again. Sorry. Eileen Borden. Suck. Okay. <laughs> Say she that again. Eileen who? <laughs> Bornos. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember the movie Monster with Charlize Theron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what uh, that was based off of, is Eileen Bornos. <laughs> Got it. So she's she's the most well-known, and she was one of the ones that um, got people to start thinking that women could be serial killers. Because all the other women we just talked about, they're, they're nothing. <laughs> they really didn't think, like, I'm not even joking with you when I say, like, even the FBI until the 19, like, 80s, 70s or 80s didn't think women could be serial killers. Wow. They didn't classify them that. Should have been born a couple decades earlier. Well, and Apparently I think you can get away with murder. <laughs> right. I think part of that is that when you think serial killer, like I said, you think violent and they were looking at it like, but poisoning is not the same thing, but it is. You're still killing people. You're still killing people. You're just not doing it in a necessarily violent way. But way. But think about it. Poisoning is pretty freaking brutal, too. I mean, like you're watching somebody die over an extended period of time. Just saying. Well, and not only that, but like killing someone like with a gun or whatever it's instant killing them with poison usually shuts down other organs first so it's 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 usually a little bit slower 
And that's what I think too. And so to me, like poisoning is almost more vicious because it's more thought out and planned where shooting someone with a gun can be very impulsive. Exactly. It's, it's, I, I definitely think it's more sadistic. But Eileen, she had no problem with being violent. So let's talk about her for a minute. Okay. She had a very troubled childhood, um, as most serial killers do. Mm-hmm. She was abandoned by her mother, and her father was a convicted child molester who was in jail. Wow. She got sent to live with her maternal grandparents because of this, and allegedly her grandfather raped her, and not only that, but he shared her with his friends as well. Damn. On top of that, I couldn't get a lot of information about this, but she was also having sex with her brother. Ew. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in this family. Yeah. At 14, she got pregnant by one of the grandfather's friends. And this was back in, what, the 80s, 70s or 80s. And so at that time, you know, girls were sent to unwed mother's homes. So that's where she went. And she gave the baby up for adoption. Wow. After that, she left home and she started a life of hitchhiking and prostitution. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's everyone's life goal. (laughs) She met and married a guy named Louis Fall, who was 69 years old. So he was significantly older than her. Like you're talking at least 40, 50 years older. Yeah. But I mean, like, look at her experience up until that point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and honestly, like, I'm not trying to normalize this or say it's okay, but you can kind of see where she might think having sex with her brother was okay if that's the kind of life that she had. Well, exactly. So it's it doesn't really surprise me that she would choose someone older considering the grandfather and the grandfather's friends. That's very true. And yeah, you're right. However, uh, it was a pretty short marriage. Nine, nine weeks. That was it. Wow. And... He got a restraining order against her because he said she beat him with his own cane. Damn. Okay, now she's making up for all the people that, you know, messed with her. She's got a lot of anger. I mean, can you blame her? I would, too. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously you get to adulthood and you channel that shit in a better way, but I understand where it's coming from. Absolutely. So, she met this girl named Tyria Moore at a gay bar in 1986 and they started dating. Tyria didn't approve of her being a prostitute, but she still stayed with her. And they didn't have a permanent place to live, so they bounced around from hotels and motels. And um, sometimes they would crash at friends' houses or things like that. They did. They did just, what, what's the word I want? Nomads? They were like yeah. nomads. And then Eileen started killing her clients. Oh. Okay. So the first client she murdered, his name was Richard Mallory. He was 51 years old. She says he tried to rape her, and she shot him in self-defense and dumped him in the woods. Now, what she didn't know is that he was actually a convicted rapist, so... <laughs> oh, well, that was convenient. I mean, you, you, there's no guarantee that what she said is not true, that's, especially that's with his true. history. And, you know, it could have triggered some trauma and all that kind of stuff. So there, there is that possibility. Where did she get the gun, though? And, like, you're murdering your clients. That that kind of limits your um, earning potential because, you know, there's no repeat customers. Just saying. Okay, so Eileen Wuornos was not the prettiest one. And I don't think <laughs> <I'm not laughs> sure she would have repeat customers is all I'm saying. But that's very judgmental of me, so I apologize. Okay. So, in 1990, uh, 43-year-old David Spears was shot six times and left naked. 
Charles Karskadden, who was 40, was shot nine times and tossed on the side of the road. Peter Seams, 65 years old, disappeared and they never found him. But Mm -hmm. they did link her to him by um, her fingerprints in his car. And they had also taken, she's taken his personal effects and pawned them. And they got those back and found her fingerprints on those as well. Got it. She killed three more men. And she got picked up on a warrant after a fight at a biker bar. Like, that's what got her? Yeah, that's what got her. Like, you're going around (laughs) murdering people, murdering, you know, and a fight in a bar is what gets you. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, they may have had suspicions. And because at this time, by now, uh, Tyria had left her and she was originally from Pennsylvania. So that's where she went. She moved back there. And they arrested her and brought her back to Florida, which was where all this was happening. Mm-mm. And she agreed to help police if they gave her full immunity. So she started recording conversations with Eileen, and Eileen admitted to the murders and took full responsibility for them. Wow. Yep. There were multiple trials. Uh, Richard Mallory, she was convicted and sentenced to death for him. She pled no contest to three of the murders, and she got sentenced again to death. Charles Carscadden, she pled guilty, and she got sentenced to death. So that's, what, three death sentences? At least. Um, Or no, I'm sorry. That's not true. It's six death sentences altogether. Wow. Um, She was diagnosed as a psychopath with borderline personality disorder. She got the six death sentences, but she never got charged for Peter Seams because his body was never found, so they couldn't prove it. Even though, like, they found, like, for all we know, he ran away somewhere. But we know that's not true. Yeah, but why would she hawk his stuff? Like, that's just, again, suspicious. Right. Absolutely. So, she got really tired. I, I mean, you you know how the death penalty works. I mean, they get delayed. There's mandatory appeals for death penalty. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, I didn't. Um, yeah, you have to mandatory appeal on a death penalty case. And she didn't want to, she wanted no parts of that. She was just done. Um, so in 2001, she petitioned the court to move her sentence forward. She was tired of, like, her lawyers tried to fight her on it, and they, the court allowed her to go ahead. So in 2002, she was executed by lethal injection. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Like, maybe she was just tired of the prison scene? Like, let's get this shit I think she was just tired of life. I mean, her life was a shit show, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, going around murdering people is probably not helping. And Maybe really, she had no one in her life. I mean, think about it. The yeah. the one person that she thought she had turned turned on her. Well, you, again, you go murdering people, and people tend to look at you differently. You think? Just saying. I don't know. I mean, I think if I went out and murdered people, you'd still love me. I would still love you. That's true. I'd be very questionative of your motives. But, and again, in Eileen's case, I almost feel bad for her. I don't, that do, I don't condone killing people, obviously. But, you know, I feel bad that she had such a shit life. I don't think that makes up for the fact that she, she was killing people or that gives her an excuse by any means. But, like, damn. No, but she had a rough life. I mean, right. that's some fucked up shit. And that's the shit you know. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised. Sure the shit you don't know is real fucked up. Right. I'm surprised she didn't try to off herself. Like, again, I'm she not condoning that I either, mean, but like, I wouldn't be surprised that, if she did. Yeah. After all that, I'd be like, nope, done. This yeah. is over. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Yes. 
I suck at life. 100%. Life life sucks to me. I'm done. Yep, exactly. All right. So that's Eileen Warnos. I kept that one short because, like I said, it's, it's one of the more popular female serial killer cases, so I didn't want to go too far into it. Got it. Um, there's plenty of stuff to read uh, if you're interested. And the movie Monster, first of all, Charlize Theron kicked butt in that movie. She... Eileen Warnos was, like, manly looking and Charlize Theron's very pretty. Mm-hmm. But she made, like, for that role, she got herself in, like, her body and everything into the right... She- or the wrong shape, if you're... Yeah. Know. But she she really pulled it off. She really pulled it off very well. And if you haven't watched that movie, I highly recommend it. That's awesome. Okay. So, number six. We're going to talk about a lady named Nanny Doss. Nanny. Nanny. Now, Nanny, she had several <laughs> nicknames that she went by. Um, and I wanted to tell you these before we go too far, because I just think they're awesome. Okay. So, her nicknames were Giggling Granny. <laughs> <laughs> the Lonely Hearts Killer. Wow. Lady Lady Bluebeard. And the Jolly Black Widow. Okay. I so I think the Jolly Black I think the Jolly Black Widow is really funny. Um what's up with Lady Bluebeard? <laughs> yeah, that one's kind of weird to me, right? Like I guess Bluebeard was, you know, uh pretty cold to people and, and you know, had no problem killing people, so I I guess. I don't know. Arr. I don't like I'm that. Just imagining... I like giggling granny myself. But... Yeah, I'm just imagining this woman going around with a literally a beard being like, Arr, you're a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, I want to see it. <laughs> Make a movie. That's going to be my Halloween oh, costume this it. year. Mm, that's, uh, please, that is awesome. We are so going <laughs> trick or treating. Okay. Anyway. So, Nanny grew up in Oklahoma. She had a very strict father. He wouldn't allow his daughters to even go to school. He didn't let them wear makeup, go to dances, or other social events. And part of the reason that he had an issue is he was afraid that, like, men would molest them. Which well, I uh, understand that, but... What like, happened anyway? So it didn't well, matter. Oh, that sucks. But, like, yeah. honestly, if you keep something so close to the vest... Like that, then the chances are when they do get out, they're going to explode. Look, I'm just saying, if you've ever met someone who was truly sheltered, because <laughs> in college I met some people who were truly sheltered, mm-hmm. and they went balls to the wall. That's all. Oh I'm yeah, saying. totally, totally. <laughs> like excessive was. Uh, like I was just glad I wasn't like that. Yeah, an understatement. Yep. 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 <laughs> So at age seven, she was in a train and the train had stopped suddenly and she hit her head on the metal bar in the seat in front of her. Mm-hmm. And after that, she suffered headaches, blackouts and depression. And so she started to have some issues and people thought maybe she this could have been like what caused her issues later in life. Who well, knows? The frontal lobe, which is obviously in the front of your brain, doesn't that call it that? Isn't that like responsible for like personality and stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And and you're talking too, like in the 1920s is when uh, this happened. So, or or even the teens, 19 something. Because yeah. um, at 16, she was uh, like, that was in like 1923. So that would have made her, yeah, like, like around 19. I don't math good. I need to stop trying to math. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> like medical science wasn't good back then <laughs> no no and so you know who knows what kind of brain injury she had and right and how it affected her i mean i'm sure they had no clue on that kind of stuff then yeah. so at 16 she married this guy named charlie bragg after they dated for four months they had four daughters between the years of 1923 and 1927 and in early 1927 the two middle daughters died of suspected food poisoning Really? Charlie's mother? That can kill you? Food poisoning can kill you? Oh, yeah. If it's bad enough, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. You would have to, I mean, but but it could be, like, you're also, again, you're in the 1920s, like. Yeah, I guess. It was terrible. Hmm. So, the two middle daughters died, and then Charlie's mother died right around the same time. Mm -hmm. Charlie left her because he said he was frightened of her. And he took his older, oldest daughter, Melvina, with him. But he left the baby, Florine, with Nanny. And I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess because it was a baby. And, like, back then, the baby would have... Yeah. It would have been, like, baby needs their mother kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, no, I think that wouldn't be the case. But back then, I think it was. Yeah, probably. Um, Once their divorce was final, though, she had both the girls. So, that's she started visiting Lonely Hearts columns to find husbands. Um, back then, these were very, very popular. She Is that how you do it? Them... <laughs> I've been going yeah. about this all wrong. Look, uh, what are they? E-Harmony? Come on. Yeah. It's, it's the same exact thing. Let's true, be for real. Plenty point. of fish. I mean, I don't, I don't know dating apps all that well, but it's the same idea. Damn, you just went through my repertoire. Stop giving away my secrets. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> So she married a guy named Robert Harrison. He also went by the name Frank. They were married for 16 years. And during that time, her daughter, Melvina, had two children. Mm -hmm. Robert was born in 1943. And then she had a daughter. And when she was having the daughter, it was she had a very difficult birth. And Mm -hmm. so Nanny went to help her. I mean, that's you know, it's her mom. So she's going to go help her have the baby. Yeah. Well. Melvina was really exhausted and she was groggy because back then they used ether. So she was all out of it. Yeah. But she really swore that she saw Nanny stab the baby in the brain with a hairpin and the baby died. But no one believed her because they just thought it was the drugs. And back then, like, infants died for no reason. So the baby died and they just assumed the baby just wasn't viable, I guess. Like, couldn't make it. Huh. And I I guess I'm like, uh, my initial thought is a hairpin going through a skull, but Baby's skulls are very soft. So, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it would totally be possible. And it's here's the thing I don't get. In 1945, Nanny was watching two-year-old Robert when he died of asphyxia due to unknown causes. First of all, if you thought, if you even thought you saw your mother stick a hairpin in your baby's brain, why is your other child being watched by her? Yeah, right? Like I wouldn't well, my mom, I wouldn't let my mom near my kids. And I can't imagine if I really thought I saw that that people could convince me otherwise. No. But yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe. But you're drugged up, so I mean, like maybe yeah. you could be convinced otherwise, but I mean that sucks. So she killed her her daughter's two kids. It's awful. Wow. And conveniently, Nanny had gotten a life insurance policy on Robert like a couple weeks before. Nobody thinks that's weird. Why? First of all, why would you get a life insurance policy on your grandson? Who's two years old. Yeah. Right. Beats me, man. Beats me. Weird. So uh, her husband, 
was drinking heavily one night and she alleges that he raped her. Whether or not he did is up for debate. Who knows? Well, no offense back then. Was was it considered rape? Because like there was an oh, probably not. Exactly. So like <laughs> it probably wasn't. I mean, um, not that I condone that, but back then it was an expectation <laughs> of a wife to please her husband and rape wasn't a thing. You know what the rule of thumb is, right? Because you're taking me there right now. Do you yeah. know what the rule of thumb is? Yeah, no, no bigger than um the the you, the width of your thumb. Yeah, you couldn't beat your wife with a stick bigger. <laughs> yeah, kind of law is that? Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, rule of thumb. Yeah, oh okay. my gosh, I would have died so early in life. <laughs> I born. Like, is it because your mouth? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying I absolutely love you. That's what I'm saying. You're my favorite. <laughs> No, because I'm such a pleasant person. You are pleasant to people who deserve it. Exactly. If you're not, then fuck off. Exactly. All right. So that's what she alleges happened. And so she went and found his corn whiskey jar because that's what you drank back then. And she added some rat poison to it. Um, He died rather painfully. Uh, Yeah. She then met a man named Arlie Lanning through the Lonely Hearts column, and they married after only three days. Which what? I also have questions about, but hey, whatever. I mean, some people still do that now, right? So whatever. Yeah, but it's like I feel like it's a rare than it is like a, a a normal thing. And I feel like back then people had no concept of dating, or they really just wanted to have sex, and that was the way to to get around it. Like we can't have sex before marriage. Let's get married. After or it was like, hours. hey, we're probably gonna die by the time we're twenty two. So good point. Good point. <laughs> So Still, they got married. I kind of want to know someone before you know I invite them to live with me. So you'll never be on that TV show Married at First Sight. Oh hell no! <laughs> I think that was a TV show. I could be making yeah, that up. Yeah, I yeah. I think no. I think it was. I think it is. It might still be on. I don't know. But I no. have no idea. I, I don't know. I know there's one like ninety day fiance or some crap. I have serious issues. So like I couldn't do that kind of thing. Like. No, I don't trust people I've known for years. Some of them, like my own family. No. I can't say I blame you. I mean, no. you just never know what somebody's capable of. No, that's true. So that's why we can't hang out often. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do, Sandy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what you're going to do, so you better watch it. <laughs> I'm going to get I my sausage grinder. <laughs> I was defending myself from you. <laughs> exactly. So. So anyway, Arlie died of heart failure, supposedly. Yeah. And the home that they shared was supposed to go to his sister, but it conveniently burned down. So she couldn't get it. Hmm. Then his mother me, died in her can't have it, before can. he left. I'm sorry? If if I can't have it, then nobody can. Well, yeah. That isn't that how everybody lives? Yeah. Isn't that mm-hmm. why people lick their things before they use them? <laughs> Stop giving away my secrets. <laughs> Do you lick all the all the French fries? <laughs> no one can eat them. Oh my god! No, I, so I just really like salt, and I don't want the calories. <laughs> no, no, no. So gross. Never anyway. eat Carrie's French fries. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, his mother also died in her sleep, and then Danny conveniently left for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So just saying, like you know, lots of death in her wake. Yeah. 
she went to her sister's house and her sister was bedridden. She wasn't doing too hot, but uh, it didn't take long for her to die either after Nanny got there. Yeah, imagine that. So um, after her sister died, Nanny joined the Diamond Circle Club, which was like a, you know, a membership to a Lonely Hearts type deal. Whatever. Yeah. So she paid to find a husband. Basically, like, um, um, what what was that Ashley Madison where you could pay to have an affair? Yeah, yeah. I guess it was kind of for a husband. He would have done well in this day and age of the internet. Ain't that true, right? Like, she killed it. Or (laughs) Them. (laughs) So she met and married a guy named Richard Morton, and her mother came to live with them. And Nanny killed her mother in 1953. Three months into her marriage, she killed Richard as well. Wow. Then she met and married Samuel Doss in June 1953. By September, he was admitted to the hospital with flu-like symptoms. He got treated and released on October 5th. So, I mean, he was in the hospital for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he got home, she poisoned him again. So he died <laughs> that night. Didn't work the first time. Now, Which- okay. This woman has been married at this point like five times. I'm sorry. I don't want to put up with somebody's ass. I I don't, you know, no. Once. Wasn't that shameful back then too? Like, Yeah, to just keep marrying. But like, divorce, yes. But widow? Wait, she was was widowed. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But like, no offense. How many times you got to be widowed before the next guy goes, um. Every man who touches you dies. Maybe yeah, I don't want to I'm do that. a little bit, a <laughs> little bit wary of that. Just saying. Well, you know, when Samuel died, uh, the doctor actually got a little suspicious because, you know, the night he went home from the hospital when he was doing better, he just all of a sudden died. Yeah. So they did an autopsy and they found a large quantity of arsenic. So she got arrested, and she just went ahead and she she confessed to killing four husbands: her mother, her sister her grandson, and her mother-in-law. Dang. Yep. So, so she, she did kill her grandson. Yeah. Yep. Wow. She didn't admit to killing her two daughters, and she didn't admit to killing the uh, granddaughter. But wow. well, she still had a lot of people on her hands. Yeah. Unfortunately, she was only tried for Samuel's death, and she was what? sentenced to life in prison. I'm sorry, how are you going to have someone admit to all these deaths and you only get tried for one? I, I agree with you. And, and I, like, I understand the whole concept of you have to have, like, legitimate proof. And um, I'm down for that completely because I do agree. Like, there's a lot of false confessions and things. Yeah. But yeah. circumstantial evidence is there and she confessed. Right? I mean, come on. Like, let's look at the trail of bodies. I'm just saying. Now, it's like, you know, Joe Blow walked into the police office and police uh, station and was like, oh, I killed 40 people and there's no even circumstantial evidence. Cool. Don't believe yeah. him. Right. But if I came in and I said I killed my entire family and you found their bodies. Little different. I'm pretty sure you believe me. Yeah. <laughs> Just call me crazy. But whatever. Now, this is really going to make you mad because it makes me mad. Now, you and I, let's be honest, we are feminists. Um, yep. We're all for equality. We, you know, we believe in all of these things. And this makes me mad. Yeah, she didn't I get the death people just like men can. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the I thing. Don't. She didn't get the death penalty only because of her gender. What? Yep. Because, again, oh, they thought women were delicate little flowers and couldn't do 
bad things, I guess, whatever. Well, but she should have totally no. gotten the death penalty. Yeah, no, uh-uh. That does make me mad. It like, does. I think that to death just like a man. Yeah. <laughs> Hang my ass. Okay. Right? So she died in 1965. Instead. Was she in prison? Yes, she was still in prison. Okay, good. All right, so we're going to move forward. We're going to go yeah. to Janine Jones. Um, this is another one I think a lot of people have heard of, yeah. but uh, it's probably one of the ones that's more associated with nurses. Got it. Yes. 1981 to 1982, Janine worked at Bexar County Hospital in Texas as a pediatric nurse in the pediatric ICU. No. Yeah, yeah this one's pretty sad. Dozens of kids died, mostly of them, most directly under her care so it's kind of obvious in some ways (laughs) yeah and and again i'm gonna go back to if you have if you see something say something okay so colleagues called her shift the 3 p.m to 11 p.m shift the death shift so this this is a clue okay like if you yeah if you can make jokes like this there's a reason exactly on her shift, children were 10 times more likely to die. Oh, my gosh. Okay, if I had my kid in there, I'd be like, nope. Yeah, this one, is, this one is pretty sad. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's it's mm-hmm. real sad. So she would inject drugs like, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, digoxin, heparin, and others that trigger, triggered a medical issue with yeah. the plan to revive the patients and be a hero. So she was one of those. Got it. But of course, that doesn't always work. And well, oftentimes, she's a really fails. shitty nurse and can't do the job right. Yeah. Well, you know, they get overzealous and inject yeah, too yeah, much. This, well, you got to experiment, right? You got to find the right dose. That's so, true. ICU doctors were suspicious of her, but, and this is going to make you mad too. Hospital admins refused to fire her or call the police because they didn't want bad publicity or lawsuits. So instead, they were like, we're going to fix up the hospital, get a new name, you know, PR, whatever. And they sent her on her way with letters of recommendation recommendation, and her reputation still intact. Wow. That is fucked up. Like, you knew some shit was crazy, but you still sent her with letters of recommendation you're fucking wow. dirty and you should be in trouble too. Just saying. Yeah, that hospital should be held responsible for any any deaths after that that she may have caused. I mean, I agree. Like, I can't even... Again, the Hippocratic Oath. What is wrong with people? Right. Well, because money rules all and if you have a bad That's reputation, true. then nobody... It just, it makes me sick. It does. It's It's horrible. So, of course, she had letters of recommendation and she went to a pediatric clinic in uh, Careville, Texas. Mm-hmm. And multiple children were getting ill after she gave them routine injections like vaccines and stuff. 15-month-old Chelsea McClellan got injected with three times the dose of succinylcholine, which I'm not 100% sure what that is. I'm not going to lie. Okay. And it stopped her heart. Uh, so Janine got charged with her death. And she was convicted and sentenced to 99 years in jail. Now, this is similar wait, to the wait, other one where... Wait. We have had other cases in previous episodes where people got, like, nine months for, like, killing someone. This woman kills a baby and gets 99 years? The bitch right before this confessed to killing, like, 50 million people. And she... 
<laughs> like she, I don't she understand. I, I really yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. Like they always there's that, you know, old adage that Texas will throw the book at you. Damn. That is true. And you know what? That is it, it probably is partially because it's Texas. But the other thing is like if you ever look at uh sentencing and how it works you would be you would be so angry i some of the sentences like you have people who get sentenced harder for having marijuana on them than for raping someone yeah like i'm never gonna understand how that all works and frankly i don't think i want to understand because it'll just make me angry like as far as i'm concerned you do a crime there's a set like first yeah you get this much time i don't care like how how white you are or black you are or, or women or men like this is the sentence for murdering a fucking person and you know it, i want to agree with you on that but it's not that black and white it's like there are circumstances so you have crimes of passion versus just killing a stranger you know there are circumstances so you have to take that into account like what if it really was self-defense you can't just be like murder's murder and that's that well, self-defense so is not murder, that. though. It's not but, murder. You're, but you're... It, it is. I mean, technically, it is. In some states, you will go to jail for that. What states are those? Because I don't want to live there. <laughs> probably, uh, no, Texas is probably a uh, stand-your-ground state. Um, yeah. <laughs> offhand, I don't know. But there are states that you do run the risk of getting prosecuted for self-defense. Nah, note to self look up what states don't like you i know florida's not one of them because i think florida if someone comes into your yard you can like illegally shoot them for no damn reason so yeah but that's, that's well, like I, I understand like self-defense you're still yes you're taking a person's life but obviously there's there's cause it's not like you just woke up one day and you're like oh, i'm gonna murder a dude I'm like no but like for normal, under normal murder circumstances. What is a normal murder circumstance? Oh my yeah, god. Normal murder I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I have no idea. <laughs> we are normalizing wow. way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I need to just stop because I'm going down a dark, dark path. Yeah, you are. The rabbit hole is jumping out. So yep. let's move forward. So yeah, she got sentenced to 99 years. Um, it was believed, though, that she had killed at least 11 children and up to 46. Wow, damn. So they were trying to find other, you know, other ones they could prove and mm -hmm. sentence her for. And the only other one she got at the time was uh, attempted murder for four-week-old Rolando Santos. He had been injected with a lethal dose of heparin, but he actually survived. So she was found guilty there and she got sentenced to an additional 60 years. Well, here's the thing. And this is where I, this case is interesting to me because a whole lot of things happened after this. She got sentenced to 99 years and an additional 60 years, right? So you would think if you understood how sentencing works and all of that, that if they ran concurrently, let's just say, so you're looking at a total of 99 years. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can get out for good behavior. I would expect her to serve at least 30 years. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a whole other ball game. Like to me, I think you got 99 years, you serve fucking 99 years, but Agreed. she was scheduled to be released in 2018. What? But yeah. So here's the thing. Texas had a law and they still have it, but it's a little bit different now. They had a law called the mandatory release law and it allowed inmates to be, um, to take their good behavior time 
and put it towards their time served. So it applied to inmates convicted of violent crimes between the years of 1977 and 1987. And then in 1987, somebody was like, maybe we shouldn't have violent criminals in there. Because <laughs> it took 10 years. But yes, so they excluded violent criminals after 1987. But um, because her crimes had been committed and she was convicted during those years, she was still able to use the mandatory release release law and that's why she would have gotten out in 2018 wow there's just so much wrong with this yeah once you start getting like a a lot of people find the gory details awesome but i also find the case law pretty cool so i don't know if uh, cool is the right word infuriating maybe (laughs) interesting is interesting a better word like i find case law very interesting i i Um, I do think it's interesting however uh, uh you know, again, I, I think it would just infuriate me beyond belief. Oh, yeah, it would. It would. And because and the worst part is, like, a lot of this stuff gets left up to a judge and they can, you know, veto what the jury recommends. They can, There's so much to yeah. sentencing laws. Um, so, anyway, a lot of people didn't want her released for obvious reasons, especially parents of children who of were believed not. to have been killed by her. Yeah. So, in... Uh, in order to prevent her being released, prosecutors started going back through and reviewing cases to see if they could get any that would stick. Mm-hmm. And in May 2017, she got charged with the murder of Joshua Sawyer. He was just under a year old when he arrived at the ICU. He was in a coma and he was suffering from seizures uh, due to smoke inhalation. His house had caught fire and he had been in it. Okay. He started to improve. Um, he was actually coming around and, and doing really good. They were seeing like he might actually make it. Mm-hmm. And then Janine started taking care of him. Oh, dear God. He had multiple cardiac arrests and he died. And oh. the autopsy found that he had doubled the prescribed dose of Dilantin, which was an anti-seizure medication. So it made sense he was on it, but he shouldn't have had that much of it. Right. In June 2017, she was charged with the murder of two-year-old Rosemary Vega. She had a congenital heart defect, and she died of cardiac arrest shortly after an IV shot by Janine. And that one was debatable because, I mean, she did have a heart problem. Right. But they think they don't think that that's what caused her to have the cardiac arrest. Right. She also got charged with the murder of Richard Nelson, Paul Villarreal, and Patrick Zavala. They all had been injected with high doses of muscle relaxers or painkillers. So, in January 2020, Janine made a deal with the prosecutor. She said, I'll plead guilty to Josh Sawyer's murder, but drop mm-hmm. the other charges. In this case, mm-hmm. the agreement was she would be eligible for parole in 2037. She would be 87 years old when she got released. But part of the agreement that she made with prosecutors was that she could appeal on the basis of not being charged until 2017, and thus she was denied the right to a speedy trial and due process. What? So this goes into like uh, case law again for me. Yeah, I thought there wasn't a statute of limitation on a murder, though. It's not a statute of limitations. You can be charged, but her point was how. If <laughs> her point was they waited to charge her until she was going to be released, and that was the only reason they were charging her, and that um, she should have gotten a speedy trial. If they were going to charge her, they should have done it sooner. Yeah, well, it but also it says. It also says you get to be tried by a, a jury of your peers, and let's let's not even discuss what the definition of peer is. 
especially back in the day. Let's just talk about that when right. they put black people on trial with an all white jury. Don't yeah, even get exactly. started on that crap because that was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So, but it's okay because Janine, uh, her appeal was denied because they said the speedy trial clock only starts once a person gets indicted. So she's in jail and cool. she has no shot at getting out. Good. Good. As far as I know, she's still alive. So what about the first one, the, where, the hospital that she was at at first, where the kid had too much stuff in her system and they let her leave with re- letters of her. Why wasn't she tried with that for that one? She was right. Like the, uh, <clears throat> I thought she wasn't tried for that one. Chelsea McClellan, the 15 month old. She got convicted and sentenced to 99 years. No, the oh. first the first hospital. Okay, so I didn't put this in my notes, and I don't know why, because I definitely read it, and I should have told you. Um, I don't know why I didn't put it in. So actually, when prosecutors went back to look at these cases to see what they could charge her with, it turned out that um, conveniently, records were lost. I'm doing air quotes again. Oh. Um, and it seemed That's that really the hospital... Messed up hospital. Yeah, the hospital had tried to hide them because they didn't want the publicity. Right. So they found some records, but a lot of records got lost. Yeah, so. lost. Yeah, very sad. So Janine Jones, she sucks. Yep, glad she's still in jail. Me too. All right, let's Don't talk about... Don't put a text in, this in, 19, in, in 2037. Just FYI. Say that again? Don't go to Texas in 2037. Oh, no, she's not going to get out. Like, <coughs> she she would be eligible for parole, but um, she there's no way she's going to be. No. So, she'll probably die before that. Fuck her. All right, anyway. <laughs> moving forward, let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever heard of baby farming? Um, isn't that when like, um, usually I don't want to stereotype, so I'm not going to say this, but, um, isn't that when like women who had unexpected pregnancies or unwanted pregnancies would have their babies at a specific location and either the people that were taking care of them would tell them that their babies would die and then they would sell the babies. Uh, pretty much. Um, it's not necessarily that they lived there and, and whatever. I mean, in some cases, I think they may have, but a lot of times it was just they gave the, the babies up. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they were told the babies died and that's why they were given up. And other times mm-hmm. it was people who just didn't want them. Yeah. Or couldn't afford them. Um, right. A lot of times it was people who couldn't afford babies. So what better to do with it than make it a lucrative business? Baby selling. Hell to the yeah. And But, you know, baby selling, I mean, think about this, right? Let's say you have 20 infants and uh, they cry a lot. That's annoying. I mean, there's better ways to make money, right? So let's talk about Amelia Dyer. (laughs) She was born in England. Um, Her mother had typhus when she was young. Mm-hmm. And she, I don't really know a lot about typhus. This was an old school disease. And, yeah. uh, but she would have fits of extreme mental instability. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I don't know if it's like just made you crazy or what. I think but I Amelia, have typhus. Say that again. I said, I think I have typhus. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have typhus. Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just <laughs> thing. Um, anyway. Amelia would take care of her mom until she died. 
And at 24, she married a man named George Thomas, who was 58 at the time. So that's a pretty big uh, age gap. I mean, that was 34 years. And they lied to people about their ages because they didn't want people to know how big of a gap that was. They had one daughter together. What'd you say? Like that he could be her dad? Uh, Yeah, he could probably be her grandfather back then. Yeah, you. Like, let's be for real. Because in the 1800s, like, they were having babies at, like, 12. That's true. So they had a daughter together, and then, unfortunately, George passed away. And Amelia needed, and, and she didn't kill him, as far as we know. FYI. She didn't wow, kill impressive. Him. Yeah, she, she managed not to do that. But, you know, it, it was the 1800s, and she needed a way to make money to support herself and her daughter. So she had trained previously with a nurse. Oh, I'm sorry, as a nurse with a midwife. Okay. And the midwife had told her all about baby farming. And she was like, you know, this is a, a lucrative thing. You could make money. It's a good way to support yourself. So Amelia started placing ads in papers. And she would claim to be married and say she would provide a loving home for a child in exchange for a one-time payment. Now, the payment would be anywhere between 10 to 80 pounds because this was in England, which equals right. out to about uh, 1,000 to 8,000 pounds in uh current times mm-hmm. and pounds i think uh i want to say that's probably like twelve thousand dollars yeah it's like one and a half i think that- yeah yeah i think that's right so i want to say like roughly let's just call it twelve thousand dollars yeah um she got a lot of responses because back then you know a lot of people were that's struggling awesome. yeah and, and well and a lot of people were struggling so she got a lot of responses. She brought in a lot of kids, but caring for kids is tough, you know? Yeah. So instead, she just killed them. She would either starve them, strangle them, or overdose them on an opium solution, which I love, that was called Mother's Friend. That was to help <laughs> <laughs> yay for the 1800s. Um, okay. Okay. So this doesn't even make sense. First of all, where is she getting the money to pay for these babies, especially if she's just killing them? Second of all, why wouldn't you have people lined up to buy these babies okay so a couple things first of all she wasn't paying for the babies people were paying her to take the babies oh yeah Sorry, my misunderstanding yes people were paying her to take their children because they couldn't provide a home for them so she said, I'll, I'll love your child um yeah if they can't afford to take care of their kids how are they gonna you know what i mean then why are they paying someone to take them? It's a one-time fee. That's a lot less than taking care of your kid. That's true. Let's be for real. Uh, taking care of a kid for 18 years is uh, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So. But she would kill them. And the worst part for me on this one is, like, she would starve them to death. Like, how long did that take? Oh, and that's horrible. would that be horrendous to listen to? Yes. Yes. The I mean, crying like- would have been horrible smother them i mean like come on something just end it quickly like why do you have to exactly that is horrible so she would call the coroner when the babies died and the coroner would come and she would act all surprised and grief-stricken like oh i can't believe this baby died but how many times can the coroner come out before they get suspicious i'm just saying well not only that but a baby that's been starved probably looks horrible like how do you all Oh my gosh, this baby died. I, I don't know why when it's all like skin and bones, has no muscle, has no fat. Like, really? Yeah, but you know what? Back then they had uh, what they called wasting disease. And I imagine it was similar to that. Oh, good point. 
Um, so in 1879, a doctor became suspicious and reported her to the police. And she was arrested and sentenced to six months in a labor camp for neglect. That was it. Wow. Yeah. After her release, she continued to advertise because why wouldn't you? Yeah, you made money. But she had to move a lot and change her name in order to avoid detection from police. Of course. She also got a little smarter and she thought, you know, (laughs) why am I telling the coroner who's going to report me? Why don't I just get rid of the body myself? Right. I mean, it's not like it's all that big. Yeah. Wow. So she she would do a couple different things. She would bury them or she would throw them in the river. Or my favorite is she would just hide them around town. I don't know if it was like Easter egg hunting or something. (laughs) (laughs) Dumpster here, dumpster there. I don't know. Hide a body under the bush. (laughs) In the mailbox. (laughs) You want to sing the song again? Do you you want to hide a body? So, um... She tried, she tried to dispose of them in different ways, I think, in part because she wanted to not show a pattern. Like, she was actually thought that through a little bit. Obviously not well enough to get caught the first time. Well, no, that's why I say she got a little smarter. <laughs> wow. A little smarter. A little not bit. much. A little bit. So, sometimes in these cases, parents would actually come back for their kids. Like, sometimes they would give their kid up for a time until they could get things together. And if a parent did come back, she would just give them a different baby and tell them it was theirs. Wow. So that's pretty messed up, too. Yeah. She was able to do this for over 30 years. Oh, my gosh. In that time, it's believed that she killed over 400 children. (gasps) They obviously don't have a firm number. Of course not. In March of 1896, a bargeman on the the Thames River fished out a carpet bag that had the body of a baby girl in it, and it had this white tape wrapped around its neck, and it was wrapped in a package. On the package, police saw a faded name and address, and they were able to make it out, and it showed that it went to Amelia. But they, even though if they had the package, that couldn't necessarily link her to the body because somebody could have taken it out of her trash. You know what I mean? There's no... I mean, it looks bad, but there's a chance it could have not been her. So, so they kind of genius. We're working <laughs> with a genius here. Well, the police were kind of geniuses because they set up a trap. Um, and for back in this time, like, I think this is actually smart. They had a young woman place an ad in the paper looking for a home for her baby. Mm-hmm. And Amelia responded to it and set up a meeting, but police came to her house instead. They searched her home and they could smell decomp but they couldn't find any bodies. Wow. They did find dressmaker's tape, which is the same tape that was around the baby's neck. They also found telegrams about adoption, advertisements, and letters from parents asking about their children. Wow. She got arrested. Uh, Police dragged the Thames and found six more bodies. Ooh. Amelia admitted to killing the six that were found. And mm-hmm. she said she knew it was hers because of the white tape. That right. was like one of the things she she would. I don't know much about what dressmaker tape is, but she would wrap the tape around their neck and pull it until they strangled to death. Oh, yeah. And she said she enjoyed watching them die like that. In she's 1896. What what's that? She's a little fucked up. A little. A yeah. lot. I mean, who who goes? You know what would be cool. Killing babies. Come on. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. 
1896, at 57 years old, she went to trial and she pled guilty to one count of murder, but she claimed insanity. And the jury was like, ha ha, you're funny. Yeah, um, right. And they found her guilty and sentenced her to death. And so she was actually hanged in June 1896. Wow. I wonder if it was dressmaker's tape that hanged her. <laughs> it what should have been. So, it like, serendipitous. Damn it. Why don't they ever do fun things? Right. All right. We're on number nine. Woo. Let's talk about Amy Archer Gilligan. Ooh. So Amy married James Archer in 1897. In 1901, they were hired to take care of a man named John Seymour. He was an elderly widow in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. He passed away three years later, and his family turned the house into a boarding house for the elderly, but they allowed the archers to stay and run the house, and they named the house Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. Three years later. What'd you say? That sounds all nice and pretty. Right? Sister Amy's, like, who doesn't want to live there? Right? Um, anybody apparently so in 1907 the family decided to sell that house so they had to move out so they moved to Windsor Connecticut and they bought a home and converted that into a boarding house called the Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm James died in 1910 of Bright's disease which is a generic term for a kidney disease oh that's at least you know what they said (laughs) but Amy had taken out a life insurance policy a few weeks before he died so how convenient. Just saying. Um, then she married Michael Gilligan at the end of 1913. And three months later, he died. They said his cause of death was listed as primary valvular heart disease. And the secondary cause was a, an acute bilious attack, which is severe indigestion, which I did not know you could die from. Gee. But apparently, I guess you can. Well, if you can die from food poisoning, I guess you can die from indigestion. Uh, yeah, that one's news to me. But even though they'd only been uh, married for three months, he had left everything to Amy. Ooh. Which his family was a little suspicious of. Yeah. At that time, too, nursing homes were pretty new. I mean, you're talking about the early 1900s. So people didn't, you know, there was no uh, government oversight. So there was nobody checking in on these houses. Making so sure yeah, everything a, medical, was a medical facility. Let's make sure nobody checks in. Just saying. Uh, So at the boarding house, there were a couple of options that I thought were interesting on how you could uh, choose to pay. You could either pay a weekly fee of $7 to $25, um, which, gosh, now that would probably be like, what, $200 maybe? Or you could pay $1,000, which back then was a lot, and get lifetime care. So that's a pretty damn good deal if you think you're going to live a while. If you live a while. If you live a while. So between the years of 1907 and 1919, 60 deaths had occurred in the home. It was found that between 1907 and 1910, there were 12 deaths. So in three years, 12 deaths. But between 1911 and 1916, which was five years, there were 48 deaths. So it tripled. Wow. Which doesn't seem normal. No. In May of 1914, a 60-year-old man named Franklin Andrews was out doing yard work. He was pretty much a healthy guy. Like, everyone, as far as anyone knew, he was very healthy. He had no issues. But while he was outside doing yard work, he collapsed. And within two days, he was dead. His, His sister came to pick up his effects, and she found a letter that 
was Amy asking him for money, even though he had paid her to take care of him for the rest of his life. So what? there was no reason for her to be asking for money. Right. She got a little suspicious, so she went to the DA. And the DA was like, yeah, whatever. Nobody cares. <laughs> so she did what anybody else would do. Go to the news. Why not? Yeah, so she went to the news. newspaper, the Hartford Courant. And they did, like, an expose. The mm-hmm. first articles were published in May of 1916, and they called the home the Murder Factory, which is my favorite. <laughs> I think that should have been our name for our podcast, the Murder Factory. Oh, I love that. That would have been awesome. That would have been. Damn bitches. It. <laughs> Sorry, I like bitches better anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bitches. All right. <laughs> so once the newspaper started publishing things, police were like, hmm, maybe we should look at that. Yeah, this is bad publicity for us that we're not looking into the murder factory. We do our jobs for real. Yeah, true. So they they exhumed uh, her husband, Michael Gilligan's Gilligan's body. And they also exhumed uh, Franklin Andrews' body and three of her other boarders. And all five of them were poisoned with arsenic or strychnine. Jeez. At trial, you also had local merchants who testified against her and said she bought large quantities of arsenic to, quote-unquote, kill rats. Oh, yeah. Big rats. Big rats. Human-sized rats. (laughs) You know, there are human-sized rats, so don't even. (laughs) There are human rats. Get out of here. Uh, Michael Gilligan's will was reviewed at the time as well, and they found out that it was forged in Amy's handwriting, so she wasn't so slick about that. Gotta get somebody else to do it. Yeah. She got charged with five counts of murder initially, but her lawyer got it down to one count only for Franklin Andrews. And in 1917, she was found guilty and sentenced to death. She appealed, though, and she got a new trial. Um, And in the new trial, she pled insanity and was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to life. Now, that was in 19... No sense. Like, obviously, she was competent enough to stand trial the first time. Yes, but so that was in 1917. In 1924, she was declared temporarily insane and moved to the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane, where she remained until she died in April of 1962 at 94 years old. So she was in that hospital for, like, 40 years. Yeah, but, like, you don't go temporarily insane seven years later. Yes, you do. Oh. My bad. You didn't know that? Note to self. What the fuck is wrong with you? All right. I don't, know. I don't know if you've ever heard of the play or the movie Arsenic and Old Lace. I'm sure you probably have yeah, heard that phrase. Of course. That was inspired by this case. Ah. So that's Amy Archer Gilligan. Yay. Note to self. Don't move into a boarding house. Nope. All right. Are we ready for our final one? Yes. All right. This bitch is named Linda Hazard. oh i love her (laughs) do you love her i love her too actually but i hate her yes love i mean i totally hate her yeah but i find her fascinating yes i find this case fascinating for a lot of reasons but um she was licensed as a fasting specialist and she had wrote a book called fasting for the cure of disease back then like people really thought that fasting allowed the digestive system to rest so your body would become cleansed of impure blood because like, that's what's wrong, your digestive system. Look, science, okay? This is the 1900s. Right. <laughs> science was not there. But people really, really believe this. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously, she was licensed as a fasting specialist, so that was a whole thing. Well, yeah. So, crazy enough. Uh, she started practicing in Minneapolis, 
But in 1902, she left when authorities began investigating a starvation death of a patient whose valuables also happened to go missing. Oh, how convenient. It is convenient. I mean, things just go missing sometimes. Maybe they ate them. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. She went to Washington uh, State near Seattle. And she opened a facility and called it Wilderness Heights, where they used fasting to help cure disease, as well as daily enemas and vigorous massages that nurses even said were more like beatings, like they would pound on these patients. The treatments would last anywhere from four to six weeks. And a lot of patients, when they started undergoing these treatments, signed over all of their possessions, which I don't really know why. I don't know if it was like as a payment or it was just like a condition of treatment. I don't know. Yeah. Conveniently, anyone who died got autopsied by Hazard herself. And the deaths were attributed to underlying medical issues instead of starvation. Okay. Did anybody look at the people? Why would you? Yeah. But, but neighbors, neighbors did notice. And actually, um, people were calling this place starvation heights (laughs) because you would see people out like just looking sickly and thin and sometimes they would beg for food. Oh, that's terrible. Again, if there is a uh, if if there is a name like that going around, be weirded <laughs> Why do out. People be not suspicious. <laughs> yeah, you would think people would start to wonder, but apparently not. Um, mm-hmm. And on a side note, while we're talking about starvation hikes, that's actually the name of a book by Greg Olson about this case. It was the first way I heard about this case, and it's a great book mm-hmm. if anyone wants to read more about it. Cool. So. Um, so the practice came to light due to two patients who were sisters, uh, Dorothea and Claire Williamson. They weren't really sick, but they were wealthy and, you know, wealthy people. Just that. Yeah, they do any fad diet. <laughs> they, yeah, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I apologize for wealthy people. Pretty sure wealthy people aren't listening to this podcast, but you never know. <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> They were really interested in alternative medicine. Uh, Dorothea said she had swollen glands and rheumatic pains, which, give me a break. And Claire was told she had a dropped uterus. And what I don't understand about that is she was told, like, so did it even affect her? Like, Right. Like, well, and, like, I know that that's kind of a thing after you have children. Yeah, I don't think they have children. Yeah, like, it just doesn't happen because there's other shit there. Well, and I'm going to just go back to what I've used this entire episode. It was the 1900s, and who the hell even knows if it was legit? Um, So these two sisters, like I said, they were into alternative medicines. They would try different things all the time. And they were trying to improve their health, so they gave up on meats and corsets. Okay. Which corsets just... I mean, granted, that would improve your health. Corsets were not the best thing in the world, but it's just so random to me. Like, it would be like, I gave up shoes. (laughs) I don't know. It just bothers me. (laughs) So they saw an ad for wilderness sites and they thought, you know, hey, let's go try this out. But they didn't want to tell their family because their family always disapproved of things they'd done in the past with alternative medicine. So they kind of didn't tell anybody that they were going. Ooh. When they got there, uh, Linda Hazard set them up in her apartment in Seattle instead of taking them to wilderness sites. And while they were there, she said there wasn't like a place ready for them yet. So while they were there, they were given a cup of broth made of canned tomatoes twice a day, given hours long enemas in the bathtub, and sometimes they would even pass out. 
Oh. Oh. Yeah. By the time they actually got taken to wilderness sites, they weighed about 70 pounds. Oh, the, oh, jeez. And there's pictures, actually. Like, they're horrible. I, they almost look... I, I don't want to compare it to it, but it's it's not far off from looking like um, the Holocaust. Some, yeah. of the, some of the people from the Holocaust. Like, they yeah, looked terrible. skin and bones. They looked terrible. So, once they got there, they only got worse. And the family found out. I'm not 100% sure. Like, I don't know if it was a letter or whatever. But the family found out where they were. And they sent a servant to bring them home. But Hmm. when she got there, she found out Claire was dead. Claire was 34 years old. She only weighed 50 pounds when she died. Wow. That's crazy. Dorothea was still alive. uh, But she weighed only 60 pounds. So she wasn't doing much better. Right. Linda Hazard had her declared insane. And Dorothea had signed over power of attorney to her. So that caused some problems. No doubt. Hazard told the servant that Claire's death was due to a course of drugs that was administered when she was a child that had shrunk her organs and caused cirrhosis of the liver. That just sounds <laughs> okay. like a whole bunch of bullshit to me. Yeah, if, if, if that had been the case, she would have been living with this for, you know, since like birth. And it took her 34 years to kill her. Come on. Yeah, and it only so happened that she, you know, lost a whole bunch of weight and looked like crap and had, was starving to death. But hey, whatever. Yeah, no, that had nothing to do with it. She also had taken Claire's clothes, household goods, and $6,000 worth of diamonds, sapphires, and other jewels. Keep in mind, $6,000 worth back in the day. Shit. So when I tell you they were wealthy, they were wealthy. So the servant mm-hmm. informed their uncle. And he obviously came immediately. But in order to get Dorothea out of there, Hazard made him pay $1,000. Wow. So he did. In August of uh, August 15th, 1911, Hazard was arrested and charged with first-degree murder for Claire's murder. It was believed she had killed anywhere between 12 and 20 people, but there wasn't enough evidence to charge her with those murders. Mm-hmm. She was convicted on manslaughter and sentenced to hard labor. And she had her medical license revoked. That was it. She served two years. That was it. For Claire's death. That's ridiculous. See, that just shows you don't kill the rich people. Yeah. Rich people, killing rich people will get you in trouble, man. Exactly. Like, as some of these other people, they just walked around killing people for 30 years. But if you're rich rich people, you might be okay. Yeah. So, uh, after she got released, she moved to New Zealand. And she continued to practice fasting. And from there, I don't really know. There's not really records on if more people died. I'm sure they freaking did. But my favorite part of this case is that she got sick in 1938. And so she was like, you know what? Fasting will work. What? So she treated herself with fasting and died. Imagine that. Like, so sad. honestly, like, believe that this was gonna, like, this was the cure-all? Like, she how many bodies need to so. pile up before you're like, maybe this doesn't work? Well, and, and like, did she really think that it wasn't starvation? Because, honestly, I mean, she would say it was, like, medical, underlying medical issues. Like, did you really think that at some point, don't you have to be like, maybe it's the treatment? Right. And I mean, like, you're starving the body. Organs are going to start to shut down and stuff like that because of the starvation. Hours long enemas that make you pass out probably aren't 
healthy. Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine a five-minute-long enema, let alone. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. I, these poor people, and it's such a shame because you know they were really trying to get healthy and and just believed in her and That's went awful. to such lengths. So uh, just it's awful. very sad. But that's it. That's it for female serial killers. So I have to ask, um, and I think I need to start asking this at the end of every podcast. What was your favorite? Well, you know, I got a, I, I love the the hazard lady, not only because, I mean, she, she, she did this weird extreme thing, which was a fad at the time. So it's not even, but the fact that she died in the same way that she was <laughs> killing other people, like that is just karma. Yeah. Yes. yes. That is poetic like, justice right there. It, exactly. Like, and that I just agree. proves again, you don't kill the rich people. You know, people look for rich people, kill the poor people, not the rich people. It's true, so, man. If you kill the poor people, most people won't notice. I mean, look at the one chick who was, uh, had a boarding house and killed a bunch of shadow people. Exactly. I See, mean, she got away with it for way longer. These people are obviously not educating themselves. No. <laughs> listen to our podcast you'll find out yeah (laughs) so what what was yours what was your favorite who's your favorite well linda hazard is clearly my favorite i mean i i do find her case so interesting but i also found uh amelia dyer pretty interesting like the baby farming i think that whole concept to me like like i said i'm a question person so i have lots of questions why would you want crying babies in the house why would you let them starve that's my biggest question yeah like if you're gonna kill them just do it I honestly think this this particular episode has just really makes me question the medical profession altogether. Like, yeah. for, from a hospital that's knowingly putting a nurse and giving her rep- recommendations to get her away so you don't have publicity, to a midwife who's giving suggestions of, of you know, <laughs> out of selling babies, babies and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, like, this just really makes me go, hmm, about the medical community. Sorry. Well, and that's Any, that's why and I said, I'm sure it's gotten better, but yeah, Hippocratic oath. Like, come on. Well, and I, I say it joking, but if you see something, say something. If you honestly, if you can honestly give someone the nickname like the Angel of Death, like maybe you should reevaluate that and yeah. really look at the why, because there could legitimately be a reason. Now, granted, I'm sure, you know, you think about like workplaces, and and it sounds wrong for the nurses to joke about stuff like that, but. You do that at work, you know, and to me, it's not that unusual, but you have to be able to separate, you know, a a joke versus legitimate concern. Exactly. And I mean, coincidence can only explain so much. After a certain period of time, you have to be like, okay, no, there's just, it's, it's too, too coincidental that it becomes, you know, random there's a, there's a theory or something that if you randomize random things, they become unrandom. They're no longer random. Interesting. And that's, that's one of those things. Like a coincidence is only a coincidence until it goes so far and then it can no longer be considered a coincidence. And I agree with that 100%. And that's where, you know, I think it's a shame because some of these cases, like maybe it's nurses in the break room chatting and they're like, don't you think that's odd? But you also have like the bystander effect where people think other people will deal with it. 
Well, yeah, and especially this day and age where so much everybody's on their phone and everybody would rather take out their phone and take a video than actually oh, God, step yeah. in and help their fellow human being. Like, and, and at the other side, like, I kind of almost get it. Like, doctors and nurses, they're not supposed to say anything. They're not supposed to apologize. They're not supposed to admit fault, you know, because then everybody's too happy. And even, yep. like, I know now we have... Um, the, the Good Samaritan law, but like that wasn't a thing for a oh, while. Yeah. The, the fact that we have to have a Good Samaritan law exactly. pisses me off. Exactly. I'm just saying that. I totally agree. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what the Good Samaritan law is, it protects people who try to save someone else um, from whatever. So let's say you give the Heimlich maneuver to someone who's choking and dying. It, it kind of protects you from being sued in those cases. Yeah. Because especially like if you've ever done, um, you know, chest compressions, it is not uncommon to, to break someone's ribs. So that's just kind of par for the course. But you don't want to be sued for breaking someone's ribs because you think, you know, their heart stops. I'm going to call you out here because I will never forget the night we were out and uh, that gentleman. Yeah. Like at the pool hall. Passed out. Yeah. At the pool hall. And, and you and your significant other at the time wound up you know, saving that man's life. Yeah. Like, that was amazing to watch and horrifying. And like, I was just in all of you. Yeah, but even, like, I had just, you know, I go through um, CPR training every every so often, and I had literally just gone through it. And as many times as I've been through, you know, the CPR, the, the way you do chest compressions and, and breathing and stuff changes, changes frequently, believe it or not. It's not, you know, you give 10 compressions and then a breath. Um, at the time, I had just gotten my recertification, and they had taken away breaths. So what they found was that you have enough oxygen in your bloodstream to keep the brain alive, but you need your blood to be pumping in order to get to your brain. So that's why the chest compressions were more important. But even during that time, like we're doing chest compressions and I'm checking to see if this guy's breathing and there's other people around like, no, you have to give breaths. You have to give breaths. You have to give yeah. breaths. Like yep. people are almost criticizing the way you're saving someone's life. Yeah, and it's, it's like, it's like, I wanted to like break out my CPR card. Like, Hey, just got <laughs> this. Like, Look, bitches back off. Yeah, I got like, no but, offense. But his son, trying to help. Let him help. His son was there. And I just remember how grateful he was to you. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was, it was really awesome. I honestly hope never to have to do that again. Um, but it, you know, right place, right time. It really was. And and that's the kind of thing that the Good Samaritan Law protects um, mm -hmm. is someone who's really genuinely just trying to help, um, yeah. you know, and giving it a good faith effort. Right. But it doesn't protect somebody who's like, hey, I'm a doctor when they really aren't. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so. <laughs> you can't. They tend to frown if you pretend to be like police and doctors and stuff. I, what the hell? Why would you frown on that? It's the best thing yeah. ever. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's the end of our episode. So yeah. thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy, for all the good research that you do. Um, oh, thank you for all of your, your uh, tolerance <laughs> of me. 
No, not a problem. Hope to hear you. See you guys next time or not see you because I don't even see you now. Um, that you guys listen in on the next episode. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. We have a new Facebook page called Crime Bitches Countdown. Bitches is spelled with the number one because, you know, you can't say bitches on Facebook. So it's spelled B number one T-C-H-E-S. We appreciate any comments or feedbacks you have for us. Leave us a message. We'll get back to you. Um, we also have an email address, crimebitchescountdown at gmail.com. Bitches spell the same way with the, the number one instead of an I. Um, like I said, we appreciate any feedback. Um, we'd love to hear what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so please feel free to message us. We'll go back to you. We appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten so far. Um, I have heard from a few people who have asked about what we are using to record on, um, and I wanted to share that information because it is an awesome app. We are using the Anchor app, and that is spelled A-N-C-H-O-R. It is a great app. It's free, and you can record and edit your podcast. It's great. Like I said, um, someone had asked me if we have to use microphones, and we don't. We actually are recording on my cell phone. So it is fantastic. The quality is good. And I actually had to go to customer service too because we had a small issue publishing and they are quick, efficient, and got back to us right away. So I cannot recommend them highly enough. If you want to start a podcast, I would start with Anchor. Thanks, Anchor.